Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the All Stats Aren't We preview of the Villa home game. I'm Darren Driver, a wise man who has watched no football at all since the Brentford game. And I'm here with Tom Alderson, a wise man who follows a lower league team and has watched some football since the Brentford game. And finally, I'm here with John McKenzie, a wise man who watches football for a living, so has watched all the football all the time since the Brentford game. John, how are you doing, brother? I am doing okay. I haven't watched much football over the international break, I must admit. But yeah, that's all grand. I It's nice to have a bit of a break. It is indeed. It is indeed. I really enjoyed not having to think about Leeds United, Jesse Marsh or the football at all um, in, since since the Brentford game. Um, Toldo, how are you doing? How, how, are, how are Stockport doing? The Stockport. Yeah, they're the not Stock- doing very well. Other... They're, like, they're playing... They probably play football that's, at the moment, as bad to watch as Leeds United. Oh, no. And then I've been watching a lot of American football, and the team I support, Seattle, play football that's almost as bad as Leeds United and Stockport County, so that's not good either. But I've been watching a lot of the tennis recently, where Federer retired, which made me feel very sad and emotional. Did you get tearful? So, I got quite upset, actually. If, if I if I cared about tennis at all, I dare say I would have got emotional at that moment, uh, too. Yeah. Just think, like, when Ronnie O'Sullivan retires. yeah. Like that's the equivalent. It is the equivalent. You're right, and I, and I, I yeah. I'm not ready for that day. Um, John, are you upset about Roger Federer or or upset about the prospect of Ronnie O'Sullivan retiring? <laughs> yeah, I mean Roger Federer is a an institution, isn't he? He played tennis in a very nice way, and do seem to be a, a nice chap most of the time doing it. So um, I, I I can appreciate why people got sad when he retired Ronnie O'Sullivan's retired yeah he has I was, was going to say he, has reti- he first retired when he was 17 <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, a similar very similar individuals though I'd say um, both maybe not personality wise yeah. but in terms of the aesthetic qualities that they brought to their respective That's sports true. I would say very similar yeah Ronnie's just as balanced and, and measured in his responses to everything as, as Roger Federer is so anyway we're not here to talk about snooker or tennis or Stockport County we are in fact here to talk about Leeds United versus Aston Villa now 
the 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 more eagle-eyed of you may have noticed that we um didn't in fact review the Brentford game and that was genuinely to do with scheduling issues we just couldn't get a team together to uh to to talk about that game much like Jesse March couldn't get a team together to defend Brentford's attacks um it was similar in in the way that that, that things seemed to fall apart uh, under pressure um but we are back and we are happy to be back um but it has been a while since we caught up so i just wanted to take a moment to reflect on the six games at the start of the season as a whole really uh, rather than focusing in too much on the the Brentford game so so Taldo what have you made of the first six games of Leeds United season yeah it's it's hard to make what well to know what to make of it to be honest because we we started probably better than most of us imagined we would mm-hmm. um I also think that we were probably we were definitely a hint of luck to get the, the results we did and then it kind of tailed off and almost like this this enforced break has come at quite a nice time for us, you'd hope, mm. to sort of get it all back together. So it's like, I'm still not sure what I make of it as an overall because it's been so hit and miss. Mm. But I guess that with the nature of the way we play, that might just be the story of the season, is that we might just have up, up quite a few dips in form and like periods where we team suit us. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one, really. Mm. Mm. John? Yeah, it's been... Um... Chaotic, I suppose, would be the word that I would use. Um, Thomas mentioned that it started out with us perhaps overperforming a little bit. Um, and then the last three games, I guess a lot of people would argue we underperformed a little bit. Um, and I suppose the big question that I have is to what extent are we expecting these sorts of fluctuations in performance versus results to continue? Um, we've talked a lot about how a big part of the gamble, I suppose, of playing the way that we play is that you do create chaotic game states and you do prepare yourself to be the better team in those chaotic game states. Mm-hmm. And that's probably a, a fairly sensible way of playing if you're a uh, mid to lower table side in the Premier League. Um, in terms of the aesthetic qualities, I, I find it hard to to sort of motivate myself with them because you, you just sort of don't really know what you're going to expect. Like you play one way, you, you play one way and, and lose and play a similar way and win. Um, and so it it almost feels uh, a, a little bit sort of too devil may care perhaps mm. um, but at the same time like as, as people will point out well it's what was probably needed at, at this point in uh, in the club's history um, in terms of very nearly going down last season but um, yeah I think that a lot of people talk about this current Leeds side as if they are going to go on some kind of upward trajectory and I'm not convinced by that I think this is the trajectory I think the trajectory is going to stay fairly fairly level in many respects in terms of performances um, but results may may fluctuate on top of that so um, I think that will be good enough to keep us in the Premier League this season and um, I, I guess that's the the primary goal of this season mm. but yeah I don't necessarily find it the most satisfying form of football I've mm. ever seen. Taldo how close was the performance to the result in the in the Brentford game specifically? Um, I don't think it was a 5-2 Wait, it was literally a 5-2 loss, but I don't think <laughs> it was a 5-2 in sort of that we deserved to concede five. I, d- I think Brentford were better than us, and I think they deserved to win. Mm. But I think the sort of the the goals towards the end of the game sort of make it seem a bigger gap than it was. Like I've, I just yeah, that like the performance wasn't wasn't great, but it's 
I don't know. I'm I'm, re- I'm really struggling with that question, to be honest, because I think we didn't play well, but after, I don't think we Brentford had to play that well either mm. Mm. to get to get it out of us because because of how we played more than them playing well. Mm. It seemed to me, John, that our inability to stop their transitions or to manage their transitions, particularly late on in the game when we committed more players forward, was really the defining feature in the game, right? They they were able to soak us up and spring, re, you know, pretty regularly throughout the game, but particularly in that late, later portion of the game, they really exposed us quite brutally, didn't they? Yeah, I think it's part and parcel of what happened in the the first half. I, a lot of people will argue about whether or not it was a penalty and whether or not there should have been a penalty at the other end. And uh, that's the way football goes, right? It's um, it, it's a bit of a wild um, game. Obviously, Ivan Tony took his chances when he had those chances and finished them well. And there's nothing you can really do to compensate for that kind of thing happening as well. But I think that's kind of my point is that we're going into these games and we're we're sort of hoping that the chaos falls in our favour. And in that game, it didn't. Um, I, I suppose it it sort of raises questions, doesn't it? Because we've just come off the back of a, a loss to Brighton, a draw with Everton and a loss to, to Brentford. And I think if this had occurred last season, there would be a lot more dissatisfaction than, than it feels like there is right now. Maybe that's because we started out well points-wise at the beginning of the season. Um, but... I, I do think that Jesse Marsh's reign will be determined by just the randomness of the results. So if, they, if we go on a bad run for a bit, then his position will, will seem uh, a little less tenable. Um, and that could feasibly happen. I mean, we're going to talk about Villa later on, but Villa are a team that I think most Leeds fans would expect us to beat. But um, we've, I mean, Jesse Marsh's Villa have already lost to. Uh, sorry, Jesse Marsh's Leeds have already lost to Stephen Gerrard's Villa in pre-season. Now, you, people won't want to read too much into that, perhaps, but there's a good chance that you know we don't beat Villa. Um, in which case, you're coming into off the back of four results where we've picked up one mm. point, and and suddenly that that good start that we've had is looking a little bit more precarious. And I guess the the big question for me is always like, well, you know, how do you how do you litigate for that kind of thing? Because I, I don't feel as though performances have been better or worse. Mm. I just sort of feel as though there's that level of randomness there. And I think the problem with maybe the Marsh approach is that in the Premier League, when you're generating chaotic game states, oppositions have the players who can take those chances that can cause you yeah. problems. When you're playing in the Austrian Bundesliga, it's much less likely to happen. Mm. Uh, and so I feel as though his tenure is maybe a little bit more in the hands of the gods than than perhaps it's been a, a, in other leagues. Uh, obviously, we've seen what that happened in the Bundesliga itself when he was there. Um, again, his his numbers like were fairly solid all the way through his time. At, I mean, we say all the way through his time, he was there for, what, 13 games in the league or something. But it very much felt as though the numbers were okay, but the performances didn't result in good um, didn't produce good results and so that was what did for him and I wonder whether or not the same will be true of his time at Leeds I don't mm. know in the hands of the gods um, now Steven Gerrard is only a god in Liverpool uh, and <laughs> nowhere else um, but but is is Steven Gerrard's um, <laughs> Steven Gerrard's Liverpool Steven Gerrard's <laughs> Aston Villa that we're coming up against on um, on Sunday so let's start to to think about um, about that game uh, in a bit more detail so John um, what's your take on Villa so far this season? Um, they lost Michael Beale. Was it in the summer that Michael Beale moved on? Yeah. Um, and I think it was kind of widely thought that Beale had quite a big influence on Villa's Villa's tactical approach and on on the quality of their their play. Mm. 
Um, so what, what's been your take on, on Villa so far this season? Well, the numbers consider Villa to be in relegation form right now. I think in terms of expected goal difference, they're the third worst team in the league above... Uh, I'm not entirely sure who's bottom. I think Forrest are bottom and then it's Everton. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not good right now. In terms of Michael Beale, I think the drop-off in performance happened before he left. I mean, th- there could be any number of reasons for why that might be the case. And I have heard talk of the fact that Michael Beale did want to change up the system that Villa have used um, at Villa. Uh, Villa have used since uh, Gerard came in, sorry. Um, he, Michael Beale wanted to change that system up while he was at Rangers. Um, so whether or not he felt that he was not being... Um, listen to as much in terms of the tactical side of things I don't know that's just speculation on my part but um, he's he's obviously gone now and that slump has continued um, I think with the players that Gerard has at his dis- disposal there should be no way that they're putting in relegation level performances in terms of the underlying numbers and so um, yeah I think that something has to give I would not be surprised if Steven Gerrard is not managing Villa by the time the World Cup swings around mm-hmm. um, again that's just speculation on my part but disappointing season from them but they have the players who can hurt teams mm. um, so yeah I think in the final analysis that's what their season is going to come down to whether or not they get to a point where they feel as though they want to take that risk with Gerard, I don't know but um, they have the ability to to hurt teams just through the, some of the, the talent that they have on their books uh, more so than I would say other teams that we would think about in terms of relegation candidates so uh, maybe not Forest, but um, certainly teams like Bournemouth um, and yeah I don't, it's tough isn't it because like there's the, it feels like there's a lot of teams like that in the Premier League now right where they've got the talent level to be able to do something if you bring in the right manager mm. uh, yeah and I guess in, in my viewing of the Southampton game um, it, it seemed to me that one team had a more cohesive tactical approach and another team had just better players in, in, in attacking positions who were going to cause cause problems um, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So, Tom, what what do you make of Gerard as a manager? Is he any good? Is he as bad as the press say? Is he what what is he? Yeah, so my my take is kind of similar to John on this one. That with the, with the players he has, he should be doing a lot, a lot more. Um, I spent the amount of money that Villa has spent since he took over. Like they just, it's not they're not getting the performances and the results sort of to, to match it. Um, I just I've just gone on FB ref now just to look at his, his numbers from this year. So in the seven games they've not got above they've only got above one XG twice. Right. So it it doesn't suggest like he's they're playing 
particularly well, and that's the same can be said from when you you uh, watch Villa play. So Makate's kind of like he doesn't seem to really know what how to get the best out of his squad at the moment. Like they've, they've seemed to be changing formation quite a lot to sort of in the hope that that works and sort of isn't, there isn't a clear sort of tactical idea of what they're doing. So I, I think the criticism he gets is probably fair so far this year because the result the results kind of like they got that draw against Man City. Um, I think they did lose two one to Arsenal. Mm. I think, and like it's just I think those results kind of make it look better than it probably currently is at Villa. Mm, mm. John, how do they play? What 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 are the what can people expect to see? Uh, like let's start defensively. How, what do they do off mm. the ball? Yeah, Villa have been I, I guess a fairly narrow defensive team. They'll um they they form a, a four three three um out well, I suppose sort of out and, and in possession but with, with tweaks and in both senses of of, of the game phase. Um but yeah, they will drop their well they they play so they play with the front three which is quite narrow right so and sometimes that front three can be two and then one so like two sort of tens and then a striker in front of them or it can be one ten uh someone like Philippe Coutinho and then uh two strikers so more like a four four two diamond yeah. um and they'll fall into a sort of fairly narrowish four five one uh most of the time in defensive situations um but going forward the the big thing for me is that that Gerard likes his fullbacks to do a lot of the um, the, the dangerous attacking work, like to build up in wide areas, um, and and push those fullbacks high. And when he does that, he usually accounts for the, the uh, I suppose the the space that's left behind by dropping one of his outside centre midfielders into the space. And I think that this can mean that when they're in attacking phases, they they tend to leave a lot of space in the central areas free. Um, so let's imagine that um, Luca Dina is attacking on the left-hand side. Um, you have Jacob Ramsey as the outside centre midfielder and he probably will drop in to cover the space that, that Dina leaves. If Villa are getting forward, they'll have probably a pivot player, so someone like Bubakar Kamara, um, and then they'll have John McGinn on the other side. Now McGinn will usually push forward to help out in the attack. And that means that you've got Bubakar Kamara just covering all of that central space. So I think they can be quite soft in the centre in transition the other way. So when they, if they lose the ball, turn it over, and then the opposition attack. Um, I think those are the dangerous moments for for them, which I think will suit Leeds in their current guys. So there's definitely positivity to be to be seen there. Um, but yeah, I think for for me, just a lot of it is quite one-dimensional right yeah. so you've got like structural ideas there that are nominally kind of interesting but it feels as though those structural ideas are just being done because that's what you do you you, you make the you've got to make movements between phases in in structural senses where it doesn't always feel like there's a huge amount of thought gone into why you might be doing that or why you might not want to do the same structural movements in every attack that you're doing mm. um it seems to me a, a sort of quite one-dimensional in that respect so um i think that means that if you come up against a team who's struggling with that then you'll be okay but if you come up against a team who don't struggle with your attacking phase then mm. i'm not entirely sure what gerard has to do to change up what's happening mm. if that makes sense no it does it does uh tom when you watched the southampton game what did you notice about them tactically um not not a lot to be honest like i kind of i compared it more to the game before um where it seemed to just be more in that Southampton game. They were going to be much more solid um, compared to previous games. But to, to fair to them, like I think the games 
before, like I said, were City and Arsenal, so they just didn't want to get overrunning like they did in those games. So I think I think it was more Gerard going for a more so- solid approach and just say, seeing what they could get at the other end. Yeah, yeah, it was. It felt pretty mid-blocky, didn't it? And quite direct, quite direct off yeah. the ball. I, f- I felt a lot of long balls from the back four and from the keeper uh, playing into what playing off Watkins, but that might have been to try and take Southampton's pressing out of the equation as much as anything, which might give us some clues about what we'll see on Sunday. Um, okay, let's think about Leeds then. So, obviously coming off the back of quite a quite a harrowing defeat. Um, and Tom, it feels to me like most of the lineup dilemmas are in the back four, really. I think we've... Uh, I, so, let's start um, at the right full-back position. Uh, Rasmus Christensen is... Fit again, played for Denmark last night, I believe. Um, Luke Aylin's fit again, um, and Cody Drama is exists. So, um, which <laughs> of those players do you expect to to start at the right fullback position? Um, I'd imagine Christensen. I thought, like, I don't know if is Aylin fit to play a full game or even sixty minutes because he came on. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. didn't he? he looked he, did. he looked good. He did well, um, apart from better. his nose. His nose didn't look good. No, his nose didn't look no. good. But he's, he um, he came on and he he looked better than I think most of us imagined he was gonna do. Mm-hmm. But I think Chris Christensen, having been signed, being sort of a more a marsh player, he will probably get the the nod. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Drama did all right. Um, I can't remember which game he played, but he he did I think better than people gave him credit for. Mm-hmm. So I would actually be happy with any of those options there. But I, if I had to guess, I'd go for Christensen. And who are you putting at left fullback, Tom? Uh, I, I think it'll be uh, Pascal again. I don't. I don't know if Furpo still exists. It does. Like drama does. He was spotted. He was spotted playing for the twenty ones the other night. It was uh, it was junior. Okay. Did he start for them or did he? Uh, come I think on? he started. I can't. I'm going because Ailing started. Yeah, right? he did. Am yeah, I right yeah, in yeah. yeah. Did he get a full game? No, I don't Ailing. think. Uh, no, I think Ailing played like sixty or something like that um, or forty five. I'm sure someone will tell me if I've got it wrong. Hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so you're, you're going with Pascal. So John, that that means that it's. Uh, Center center back. Clearly, um, Diego Llorente was just as disastrous as we've been worried about since the minute he walked through the door uh, in that game. We're not going to talk about us saying that we thought that that was going to be the case eventually. Um, we're going to let that sit in the air. Uh, but who who are you picking for the center back positions uh, on Sunday? Um, well, I think Jesse Marsh is picking Diego Llorente and Robin Cox. Do you really think that's so? Who he picks, Do you think right? he's going to pick yeah. Llorente again? Llorente played for Spain, didn't he? Allegedly, not very well. I did see that he hadn't got a particularly great score on. I mean, I'm not someone who goes in for sort of fop mob scores or sofa score scores, but he had a very low score in that mm. in that game. Mm. So, but yeah, I do. I mean, what what other options are there? How would you how would you well, suggest I, that they could go? I don't know. I, just, I I would imagine I would imagine that it'll be Cooper that'll play. Um, just because I w- just because I would have said Cooper just because Llorente okay. was so disastrous that. I don't know. I think. Against Brentford, yeah, yeah. yeah. It depends how Cooper's done in training, yeah, obviously. It does. Um, it does. And yeah, I, I, I did Cooper play in that twenty-one yeah, game he as did. well? Yeah. Again, I can't. Re- and he played for. I can't remember the specific minutes, but but he, he certainly played. Disgusting. For, I know. I, I do apologise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I have a feeling like this this break might have saved Urente. I think if we'd if um we'd gone straight into that Forest game, I think it would have been a no-brainer, but this sort of four-week gap might have mm. saved him a dropping until the next game. <laughs> okay, we shall see. And, John, we're expecting the double pivot to stay the same, so um, Mark Rocker and uh, Tyler Adams, have, have what have you made of them th- so far through the season? 
Yeah, I think they're solid. Um, yeah. Obviously, Mark Rock has been putting up some decent progressive passing numbers, which is nice to see. Um, and Tyler Adams is a really solid defensive player as well. Um, nice combination of players in that pivot um, than the sort of player the players that you want in that sort of system. So, yeah, I've, and if, if that's the way we're going to play, then I'm happy to have those two in it. Yep. And Tom, the three behind the striker. Um, so who are we expecting? Harrison, what? Aronson and who? Um, the last bit is a bit difficult. Uh, obviously, I don't know how fit Rodrigo is. And I think Sinistera is playing for Colombia on like Wednesday morning. Oh, okay. um, similar to Rafinha's uh, the situation this time last year. Mm. Um, so I imagine Sinistera probably won't play. And so it's kind of a bit, a bit up in the air. To who else? Who else can play there? Really, I don't. I think it'll also depend on Bamford if he's available for to start up front. Because if not, it might get Geldhard could potentially play in that three with Bamford up front, or um, he might need be needed further forward. So yeah, it's. I think we'll have to wait kind of on player availability for that one. Do we be playing four two three one right recently? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I wonder whether or not like this could be. A, a pro- like not winning in a few games might be a prompt to change it up somehow because mm. that tends to be what Jesse Marsh does I don't know whether or not we think that we maybe see a slightly different formation but yeah. I don't know Yeah, I mean he's not really deviated from the four-two-three-one, four-triple-two hybrid thing that he's been doing all season what do you think he might go for a three at the back system or something? I doubt he would go for three at the back but he could he could maybe tweak it up and just sort of go for a more classic four-triple-two mm. um, if he's not got a player that he feels can can sit deeper, but then he's not really got two strikers, has he? No. But um, and it, obviously, like the four-two-three-one, like morphs into the four-triple-two at times as it well. Does. It's quite fluid. Yeah. So I suppose it just depends on personnel. If you play someone who's going to be pushing forward a little bit more, then it probably looks more like a, a four-triple-two. But yeah, I, I wondered whether or not he might just sort of experiment with something else. The other option is obviously the four-four-two diamond. Yeah. Um, that that we've seen at times although I don't think he's been a huge advocate of it in the same way that Matthias Yeisler has been at Salzburg but yeah Mm. interesting questions interesting questions so John how do you I'll start that one again so so John how do you expect Villa to counter the Leeds aggressive counter pressing style I noted that Villa did struggle at times playing out from the back against Southampton um, how do you think they're going to approach this game against Leeds? Yeah, I mean, I would say that Southampton are much less of a pressing side these days. It feels as yeah. though um, Hasenhutl has has moved towards trying to be more of a build-up team, mid mid block team. Um, I suspect that if I don't know, will Villa try and build up from the back, or will they just try and go long? I don't know. That's going to be what I think a lot of teams are going to start mm. doing against mm. us. So that that's what I'll be watching out for. Will the ball be played over the press, and uh, you, you sort of try and get those those situations? It, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because I, I guess if you if you really want to make the most space at the back, you invite the press to a certain extent. So there will be attempts to build up from the back, but. Whether or not there are attempts to play through the press is a different matter, right? If you can, you, you're given a certain amount of space on the ball. I think in the lead system because it's, I'd say it's more of a, I wouldn't say a mid block, but it's it's it, it's a press which waits for certain decisions to be made before triggers are put on, and then you then f- try and force the the build up back and 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 press from there. So there's plenty of scope to be able to 
work the ball into certain scenarios and then try and find space uh, in behind leads. That's that would be what I would be doing if I was a coach. Um, so I think that's the the big question that that I'll be focusing on. Like, are they going to try and build up? Are they going to try and just go direct from the goalkeeper over the press, or are yeah. they going to try and move it out and then fashion better angles and and try and get leads pulling forward so that they then generate space for quicker players to run into? Um, yeah. So I don't know. Interesting. Uh, and. Tom, where will all where will Villa's um, attacking threats come from? If you remember at the game at, at Elland Road at the end of last season, um, which you know you probably can't use as too much of a guidestick, but I thought it was quite interesting. Um, they scored three goals from drawing leads to one side and over- overloading the far post. Effectively, is how is how they got their their three goals. Um, so, it, and I, I also noticed in, in the Southampton game that they did have some quite promising moments in in attacking transition. Uh, occasionally, but not hundreds, but but some. So, what are you expecting to see from them in terms of their attack? Yeah, because teams this year have kind of hit us sort of behind our fullbacks, haven't they? But because Villa don't play with like traditional wingers, that mm. doesn't worry me as much. But you might see the the fullbacks get some joy. I think they, I think the fullbacks did uh, manage to to do that in the game last year. I think yep. Cash scored from memory. Um, so. Yeah, they might see that. I think from the their other points, I think it's more just like you said against Southampton. It's like they have good individuals. Um, so someone like Coutinho, um, or like I think Leon Bailey's been playing quite well recently. He's th- those players just all they need is a moment, especially in transition. Like if you can give them a bit of space, they they will cause us problems. So. It's not more the the stuff that um, Villa do tactically that worries me. It's just more that they they do have good players that will, if given the chance, cause us problems. Mm. And John, where are the Leeds chances going to come from? Yeah, I think coming through the middle. Like I said, if if Villa do commit players forward and evacuate the central spaces, which is something that they have done, then um, I think there there could be some joy given that Leeds are going to look to be direct, quick and go through the central areas. So um, I do think this is a sort of play style that will probably suit Leeds. Mm. Interesting. Uh, and John, describe what you expect watching this game of football will be like. Um, yeah. I did. You don't like this question? <laughs> I don't, do I don't you? know. Like, <laughs> I said at the beginning, this is it's like chaotic football and Leeds are trying to generate chaotic game states. So... Um, in terms of the aesthetics, I, I don't think it always it ever promises to be like scintillating football in the in the classic sense of the word. But I think a lot of a lot of fans enjoy the sort of chaotic game states that are generated by Leeds when they win. Um, so yeah, I, I think <laughs> it's one of those games where the result will determine how enjoyable the game is. Um, and the result could go either way. So I think this is one of the reasons why I struggle with with the Red Bull style of football to a, to a degree because I, f- I feel as though it's one of those styles of football where there's not much correlation between, or there's not as much correlation between performance levels and result, mm-hmm. um, perhaps. Or maybe the maybe it's because your performance levels depend more on how well your pressing works rather than how much your in possession stuff works. So um, yeah, I just sort of find it kind of hard to to judge. I'm a I am my profession is essentially football analyst, right? Yep. So I like to be able to watch games of football and say this team were good because this happened and they did this well, etc. And I think I mean obviously that is still applicable in this instance, but there are more of those moments where you just sort of have to say this team won because you know that in in this moment 
everything fell for them um and again i think that's intentional on the part of leeds there's the the intention is is that if you're coming up against teams who do have a real talent base at every level of the league then the, the best thing you can do is to sit like generate situations where you're going to be better suited to to deal with the the situations than the opposition so um that's just the way that it is mm. tom where will the game be won or lost um probably the same way that a lot of the games this season have been won or lost and just transition i think uh from what john said like we they are gettable and we know that we are always gettable in that way as well so i expect it to be quite end to end and just the team that transitions better will will probably more likely get the result john any advance yeah, no, I agree. I think it will come down to whichever team takes their chances better, um, or maybe not even takes their chances better, but you know, scores, um, scuffs one in, <laughs> puts one in. But, yeah, um, but yeah, it, it really interesting game. I think in terms of it does sort of set things up quite interestingly in terms of where what Leeds season looks mm-hmm. like. Because um, as I've said, you know, if it's winless in in four, uh, you're starting to. It's, and and you're not getting results against teams like Villa and Brentford and Everton and and Brighton, regardless of how good you might think those teams are. Um, I think people will start asking questions if 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 those re- results don't come through for them. So mm, interesting stuff. Okay, I think that brings us to the end of our Villa preview. Um, we will be back next Monday. Uh, we're going to try and record in a regular Monday evening slot so we don't end up not reviewing games again in future. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with a with a review of the uh, Villa game and a preview of the Crystal Palace game, which is the following week. Um, until then, everybody, have a great week and try to enjoy the game, John. All right, bye. <laughs> deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.